This is Pat Soundbites Unplugged. Unplugged. The podcast where all the artists go to tell it as it is. Careers, music, tours, and more. And here's your host, the man that refuses to eat squid, Pat Calamari. Hey, Pat Calamari here, host of Pat Soundbites Unplugged, episode number 660. When you think of the name Mitch Perry, what comes to mind is a legendary guitar player. He has played with a lot of people in his probably over 30-year career. Bands like Michael Schenker, Heaven, Ron Keel. He's toured with Cher, Edgar Winter, uh, Quiet Riot. Uh, played with Glenn Hughes. Um, the list goes on and on and on. And Mitch recently formed the Mitch Perry Group, and they're releasing a debut album now. He explains when it all comes out, but it's entitled Music Box. But they just released a single called Believe, and it's a beautifully, beautifully written pop. The pop rock song, I should say. And um, as he talks about the video, the video is all about what we're dealing with today. And it's a great album. I get a chance to listen to all the tracks, except for half of the Jumping Jack Flash cover that they did. But it's it's an incredible album. It's not what you would think Mitch Perry more guitar-driven, heavy rock, with maybe an edge. That is certainly not the case here at all. He forms a group, and he brings three vocalists in his band. And um, two women, one one guy, and um, it, it does make such a difference. So I encourage you to go check that out. Be on the lookout. I already posted it on my Facebook, the video for Believe. But uh, check it out. Go to MitchPerry.com. Check out all his social media. If you're into rock, you certainly should know the name Mitch Perry. Oh my goodness. Can this man play guitar? And I learned a lot. He's a terrific songwriter as well as a producer. So all good. Let's not forget what we're dealing with today. Hopefully you're staying home, you're staying safe, so we can get through this a lot faster. And let's not forget all the folks on the front line, the healthcare workers, the nurses, the doctors, the practitioners, the law enforcement, the fire department, the EMS, the dispatchers, the folks at the stores, the grocery stores, the clerks, the cashiers, the truck drivers bringing the supplies, the people that are essential, that are at work, so we can continue to live the lives that we live. Okay, enough said there. So, you know the drill. Live, love, and laugh a lot because life is way too short. Enjoy the chat with legendary guitarist, Mr. Mitch Perry. WBXO Classic Rock 
redefine in conjunction with Pat Soundbite's Unplugged podcast. Well, what I do is keep a new music alive on the radio airways, and every day there's some great new rock and roll music. But this one really hit it out of the park. I'm honored to have on the phone legendary guitarist, songwriter, producer. He's got a resume of who's who, everybody he's played with in the last 20 or 30 years. And I've been a fan for years. I'm talking Mr. Mitch Perry. How are you, Mitch? Oh, doing good, man. How about yourself? Well, we're doing as best as we can lockdown for the time being, but uh, I know we've been through this before, and it's a little bit more difficult for everybody, but there's great new music and great new videos as what you have just put out uh, recently, so that's keeping me excited and enthused, and I'm happy to have you have this opportunity to have you on the phone and share with the fans and uh, hear what's going on in your world these days. How are you making out? Uh, we're, we're doing good. Yeah, I mean, I, I live here in Hermosa Beach, California, so it's it's not a horrible place to be <laughs> stuck. But you know, at the same time, we're stuck. <laughs> you know, we got to figure out. You know, we, or it'd be nice if we knew uh, when we're getting out of here. But until then, uh, I guess you look on for the silver lining in any cloud, and that gives you lots of time to, to uh, peruse the internet for new uh, music. And there's some good stuff out there, including yourself. And, oh, my God, Mitch has uh, formed the Mitch Perry Group and the debut album coming out. When's the actual release date, Mitch? Has there been a date? I haven't seen one. Well, yeah, we'd had, you know, we'd not even really planned doing that. Okay. Uh, you know, we, we were going to get it out probably around April or May. We hadn't really set all that stuff in stone. Um I have finished the album, and on our first day of lockdown, uh, I'm like going, man, what can we do to, you know, to move this forward, because, you know, we're not going to be, you know, I knew we were going to be in here for a month, so I'm like, hey, wait a minute, you know, Believe is perfect for these these times, you know, I mean, I'd written a song kind of to have a universal message, you know, so whoever whoever is listening to it can relate to what the words are saying and make that their own. Um, so it obviously worked for this situation as well. And I knew we had the footage that we filmed for the EPK. So I called up my videographer and asked if he could, you know, find images and, and, you know, tell the story that the song tells, you know, with a video and, and, he did that, and it's so great. We wanted to put it out right away. So we just, we've, you know, I mean, we can't get any of the records pressed up for hard release right now. Um, we have the single up on iTunes and Amazon, and we've got uh, the record coming within the week. But, it, you know, it, as far as official releases uh, or anything like that, we kind of got all kind of turned around by what's going on right now well and i understand all of that and um the album's called uh music box and it's an incredible mix of great new classic rock it's got a taste of the blues it's got some soul it's got a lot of funk when i when people think of mitch perry they think of this guy with the guitar you've i mean you've played with a lot michael schenker and edgar winter and the list goes on and on 
But this isn't one of those, this isn't a Mitch Perry, you know, we're going to shred guitar all day long. This is really outside the box and well thought out. And the songs and the lyrics and your your all-star, um, ex, I, I call it a lineup of experienced musicians and three vocalists. I mean, I, I think you hit it out of the box, as I said before. I think you've done a tremendous job. And it's not what... You know, if people think, well, Slash, you think of a guitar player, but your music is really uh, something to have to listen to. It's uh, very creatively done. Uh, th thank you so much for saying. I mean, you know, th this uh, this record was a labor of love, and, and you know, um, it's just great to get feedback like that for it. Um, you know, I'm really proud of what we did. It, it was, you know, the music on there is on there for a specific reason. And it's like, it's stuff that I don't feel I'm hearing anywhere in any kind of new form at all. You know, I mean, there are a lot of great rock bands still making great rock records, but I just haven't heard anything that had that 70s edge for a long time. And not edge, but, you know, just, you know... Uh, I wanted it to be a lot more organic, a lot more real. Like the way we made the record, we tracked it without, you know, we didn't use any click track. Uh, the basic tracks are what we overdubbed to. It wasn't like we tracked drums and then added one instrument at a time. You know, you, every song is an actual band performance, even though there, you know, obviously in Belief, there's a lot of overdubs over it. But, um, you know, it's... Uh, it's it's a real record, uh, and you know I think that's something that has kind of disappeared a little bit with the advent of uh, Pro Tools. I definitely hear uh, a little Zeppelin. I hear a little Bad Company. I hear a lot of that 70s Aerosmith. I hear a lot of that 70s blues rock that, uh, I mean, I grew up to, so I get it. Then you added a little bit with the keyboards. There's, there's some funk and there's some soul with it. And I think if you threw all those genres in a blender, you come out with a music box. And uh, I mean, really, I mean, and then three vocalists. I mean, normally one, but I mean, and I'll, I'll let you introduce the folks in your band. But I mean, Keith got a great voice. And then when you add Shelly to the mix and she just, the song, The Pain, and then you have Kara, and it just all chemistry-wise, gels together quite well. And they all bring a certain individuality to it. So it's different, <laughs> but it's great. It's, it's, it's super great. So tell, tell, me, tell me about the, how you were able to recruit these folks and their little background, because they certainly have the experience and played in, uh, with great uh, known artists out there. Well, yeah, it's... It, it... One of the things I wanted to do on this record is with the vocals, I did not want to just get a singer who's well known from another band um, because you've already got you've already got the uh, the problem or the stigma of being stereotyped. Right. And that's what people know that singer for. So this is now just going to be another version of that. I wanted to find something fresh. And, and I do, you know, I've got a couple of days of the week when I'm not touring with Sweet. Um, I 
play Tuesdays here in LA at the Whiskey at the Ultimate Jam. And I, and I also have my own uh, deal at the uh, Standing Room in Hermosa. And we have a lot of musicians come through. And and Keith England, I met at the Ultimate Jam. Um, he's, a, he's a veteran guy. He actually toured with the Almond Brothers in 82 and 83. Um, and uh, he also sang with Montrose for a while. Uh, an amazing, amazing voice. And uh, as you heard on the record, he, he, it, what's great about him is he, he's got that classic Rod Stewart, Don Henley kind of rasp. Yes. But he doesn't sound like he's some guy trying to copy Rod Stewart or Don Henley. He sounds like Keith. It's, you know, I, I feel so blessed to have that. Totally agree. Absolutely agree. And you, and, and you did mention um, for the folks that might not be aware, you're you're still you're performing in the group suite. You know the ballroom blitz, right? And uh, Fox on the Run, which is all good. Um, and then you got um, Kara and Shelley, which wow, man, what vocals? Two different types of vocals, but boy, the songs that you put them on really fit them well. Yeah, that's kind of how, how we dulled the songs out was, you know, I, I mean, I do a lot of playing with these, you know, guys and girls uh, every week. So I I kind of knew where their strengths lay and, and what would suit certain things. And, you know, there were a couple switches on songs here and there. But, um, yeah, everybody just, they, they uh, nailed it. What they did, I mean, Kara, Kara saying "I still miss you," and I think that's one of the best vocals I've heard in years. I mean, absolutely, it's, it's you know, it's mind tingling, you know, and uh, like I said, very lucky about that. Yeah, no, that I I still miss you. The pain. Um, wasted time. What a beautiful ballad. In the morning, I mean, I'm just bebopping. There's a lot of great funk, funky rock, good groove, and then the vocals kick in. Let me ask you this, Mitch. How difficult is it to write lyrics that you're not going to sing, that you're able to interpret the emotions to the three vocalists so it comes across what you were really thinking and translates it? That's a great question. One, one of the things, these, these singers did an amazing, amazing job. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a frustrated singer. <laughs> you know, you know, and I do sing a little bit. That's me on uh, the second verse of Jumpin' Jack Flash. Okay. So, you know, Keith takes the uh, first verse, I take the second. Um, but, uh, you know, when, when I write the songs, I kind of, I mean, I, I I kind of hear the song. I don't like, here's a guitar part. Can you sing something over it? And, you know, the melody will come to me and I'll figure out what the chords are to that melody, you know, and that's how I'll write it. Um, therefore, when I give the songs to the singers, I kind of have a template that I wanted them to follow. I mean, I was pretty, you know, pretty specific about that, you know, but there's a danger in doing that and that you lose a personality and you lose a performance when someone's trying to do something that's not hundred percent their own. And I mean, all three of those, uh, guys and girls rose to the occasion. Amazingly, you know, they, they own every syllable. And what I like 
from what I saw in the videos and the trailers and the songs that you've you posted so far would believe and I think um, I still miss you is up there or gonna be up there um, yeah. is the fact that you guys are all in the studio together it's one question that I ask a lot of the artists anymore to me and I'm not a musician Mitch but I know I would want to be in the studio like back in the 70s when everybody was together, even though there's a cost behind it and the label's screaming at you, get another album out and, you know, people are coming with ideas and then before you know, in three or four weeks, maybe a month, you get the album done. And today with technology, there's a plus too that you can send wave files back and forth to folks that, you know, in today, right now, we're locked down. So if you needed a, you wanted to send a track to somebody in, you know, London or wherever, you can certainly do that. But I, what caught my attention was it seemed like it was recorded as a group. And I think, I always say to folks, I think if it's not done that way, don't you have a chance of missing that magic where you can say, hey, Ed, wait a minute, why don't you add this to the keys? Or, you know, here, Keith, wait a minute. You know what I'm saying? Am I am I off with that? You're 100% on the money. I mean, adding tracks to something, yes, it's an art. You can make, you can make some incredible... Uh, sonic pieces um but the whole thing the whole energy why do you love aerosmith it's not just because of this you know of the singer i mean that band has a way of playing you know when you listen to those aerosmith records there's no other band uh playing like that back in the mid 70s right <laughs> And you wouldn't have gotten that feel if you had recorded them with Pro Tools. Right. Totally. You know, that, that's, and that's what producers used to do, is they would go in and they'd figure out how to make those tracks feel great with the band. Now the answer is, don't worry, I'll quantize it, I'll line everything up on the grid and I'll make it perfect. And it is perfect, but it loses all the magic that separated an Aerosmith from a Led Zeppelin, from a Bad Company, from a Queen. Don't, no doubt about it. And I just, I, I was, it caught my eye on the video and I said, well, somebody was thinking because everybody's there. And I, you know, and I realized, you know, there's a cost to using somebody's studio. I think, I think you mentioned in the trailer that you were at Tal's, uh, Tal, the drummer's uh, studios in his home, but it was just great to see everybody together, even though it could have took a couple of days or even one day. Um, again, like you, I, I thought I was on, because I would be just so afraid to miss something, because you, you it's like taking an online class without the networking of it, people asking certain questions. You know, college classes online. I'm like, no, I want to hear what people are thinking, you know, besides me pulling my hair out of my head. Absolutely. Yeah, it's funny because someone was asking me about giving guitar lessons by Skype. And I go, you know, yeah, we can do it and I'll do it. But I, you know, there, there's something about being in the room that, you know, I, I, I don't want to just know where the notes are i want to see how you're doing them and how you're playing them and and that's kind of the same thing you're talking about 
on an intellectual scale. Absolutely. You you chose that great song, Jumping Jack Flash. Why, out of all the Stones songs, or why even that cover? It's a great song, but why why did you throw that in the mix? Now, have you actually heard our version of it? I heard a little piece of what Jackie, or Jackie, um, what uh, Jody was able to send to me. Okay. Well, I mean, you know, we do it completely, completely different from the original. Um, and it's, it's basically, I, I was in a humble pie mood and I wanted to go, what would humble pie do if they were playing jumping jacks? That was my answer. There you go. Well, that's cool. I, I like that. I, I yeah, like that's, that's even why on that one, uh, Keith and I end up trading the vocals on the uh, on the verses there. Well, it's it, uh, the whole thing. I, I I've listened to what I can able to listen to. Saint Valentine, believe in the morning was great. Soul stare, very funky and groovy. Wasted time, a beautiful ballad. Pack it up and go again. You know when when I think you and people think you, they think that guitar. And here you were able to, like I said, not to be redundant, but mix a lot of genres and and make the songs come out rather. Uh, well done. You've been with Michael Schenker. You've been with so many great bands throughout your career, Mitch. Um, and I'm sure you got a ton of stories. Is there anybody that you, that it's on your bucket list that you wish you had the opportunity, whether dead or alive, that you haven't had a chance to uh, tour or play with? Well, you know, here's the thing. If Paul McCartney didn't have such a great band, I'd to join it. But I don't want to fuck up that band. <laughs> I, I hear you. That, that's a cool answer. No, that's good. What's it like? I mean, well, who would you say? Who were you looking at when you were growing up? I reading, uh, preparing to ch your chat with you. You grabbed a guitar. I want to say at a, a teenage years, maybe a little bit younger. Was uh, you know moved down to? No, it, it was pretty young. I, I started. Well, I mean, I started about twelve, but I was out jamming at bars by the time I was fourteen. My parents would take me to this little jam session on Sundays. Uh, in South Florida, where we lived. And by the time I was 16, my band was actually getting gigs. Uh, and, you know, I basically made a living from the time I was 16 playing clubs in Florida. And we became the house band at a club called the Tight Squeeze Club. And if you were in Florida recording at Criteria or playing a concert at the Sportatorium and you went, hey, where do we go to rock out? You get sent to our club. So I was fortunate to meet a lot of, uh, a lot of great musicians. Uh, I mean, Pat Travers and Pat Thrall always used to come in. And, um, that summer we jammed with uh, Bon Scott, who was ACDC. Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, it was insane. The stuff, and and I was just lucky. Yeah, you know, I didn't, I didn't even, you know, heck, I didn't know half of the stuff uh, that I was surrounded by at the time. But, um, you know, it, it was a, it was a really uh, cool way to start. But I would, I, I, I'd ended up getting flown out to L.A. by Pat, uh, by Alfonso Johnson, uh, the bass player for Weather Report. Pat Thrall had told him about me, so I came out here when I was eighteen. Mm -hmm. Did my first record. 
So that was pretty much the turning point, right? For the most part, you go to L.A., and here you are in an actual I, I, studio. I knew, I knew at that point that's what I was going to do. It, it, up until then, it was just, hey, this keeps me from having to get a job. <laughs> and you're watching all these guys, and you see all these women, and you go, hey, maybe. This exactly. Is... You know, I, I wanted to be a race car driver, but this doesn't suck so bad. <laughs> I read somewhere, Mitch, which really... Uh, Got me thinking, um, self-taught guitar player. Wow. Did you play the records back in the day over and over and just, you know, figured it all out? Well, you would sit on your knees for hours and days and weeks uh, with the record, with the turntable turned down to 16 and a half speed. So it would play the song half as fast and an octave lower. Okay. That's where you, that way you could pick up the really fast riffs. So, you know, that's the way we would learn We would learn music back then. I, I mean, and I think that was the way to learn. I, I mean, there's such a wealth of information and, and, and stuff on YouTube, and you can see all this stuff. But the, the one thing that gets lost to me in, in the translation is the feel of how to play all this stuff, you know, and... and, and and that's something that, again, like I said, if you, if you if you go searching for this stuff on your own, you find ways to make it sound, you know, sound special, and and, and you develop a style. When you're taking it off of uh, off the internet, you you you're not going to own it the way you're going to own it if you learn it on your own. I, I like that, and that leads me to the question I've asked a lot of. Uh, incredible guitarists, Joe Satriani and Eric Johnson and, um, I mean, Billy Gibbons. And what, what, how would you describe your tone, Mitch, when it comes to the feel and play on the guitar? I just like it to be warm and comfortable. <laughs> you know, I, I, I've, gone the, I've gone the gamut of having 16 space racks that didn't have enough room for all the garbage I wanted to throw into my rig. I've gone from that right back to being happy with a tube screamer and a wah right into my Marshall. And, you know, I, I, I've kind of gotten to where I think the hands are the most important aspect of the whole thing. I mean, yeah, you have to have the right, you know, an amp. But, you know, I don't worry about so much like getting the right, pre, you know, preamp. I want just a straight Marshall. And, and then your hands kind of shape the, the sound then. There you go. Who 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 were you watching growing up? Uh, were you a big Jimmy Page uh, guy watching everything? My, my, my two favorite guys uh, when I started playing were Jimmy Page and uh, Michael Schenker. Wow. Oh, it, it was funny to wind up playing with Michael because he was one of my first heroes. So and that was really, really a, a, uh, a treat as well as a cool gig. What what would you say um, in your career, Mitch, is the uh, most uh, memorable moment that you could, you know, pinch me moment? I guess maybe playing with Michael, you know, being part of Michael's band. 
Well, I mean, but then there's being at the Montreux Jazz Festival with Edgar Winters, White Trash, and Johnny Lang just opened up for us, and B.B. King standing there getting ready to go on and, out and close the show. And, you know, I mean, Gary Moore's watching the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, it, it, this was an exciting night. Uh, um, playing the Adelaide Grand Prix with Cher's band was cool. And, you know, the race car fanatic. So I, I like being at the Formula One race with uh, Cher. And uh, it, it was a uh, definitely, um, definitely one of the highlights, believe it or not, with Cher. Oh, absolutely. Why, why wouldn't it? And I, and I saw you with, I read somewhere with Graham Nash. I mean, you've been through all, all the, anybody that's called and, and, and you've been available and, uh, and worked with them all. What excites you the most about the rock and roll scene today? If there is, a, if there is something that excites you, what do you listen to? Oh, well, I mean, I think uh, Vintage Trouble's a great band. I think they're absolutely amazing. Um, what else have I heard that's new? It's, you know, I, I know there are a lot of people complaining about the uh, Greta Van Fleets and, and the Wild Honeys and all that, but I'm actually glad to see that people are liking that music. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I'm not going to go and compare them to the great iconic, iconic bands we know, but, you know, at least they're putting music right in the right direction again. Absolutely, and and, and I... I was, it caught my eye, you know, the Greta Van Fleet and trend, you know, comparing the, the young guys. Yeah, they got that Zeppelin sound, but I'm happy that they're not Zeppelin. They're doing their own thing. And I got to meet the guys from Dirty Honey, and they got a blues rock thing. So there is starting to, they're starting to, a, a more of a move and a pickup, which is something that we've seemed to lost somewhere along the line for the last maybe five or so years. But. Well, Mitch, I appreciate your time today. It's called The Music Box. The single is out, Believe, and I'm glad that you did a video. I think today's world, we're so visual with, like you mentioned, YouTube, that the thing could go viral, and I hope it does, because I already shared it with my folks on my um, on my Facebook pages, and I hope it does, because timing is right, and uh, your folks that are a terrific job to match the song with the uh, the, the images of the, the video. So uh, I wish you the most success and uh, can't wait to uh, hopefully this thing clears up and we get you on tour. And I'm looking forward to playing a bunch of tracks for my folks, keeping new music alive on the radio for us. Awesome, man. Well, it's been great talking to you, and I, I look forward to getting past this whole lockdown and making it back to New York and meeting up with you in person. There you go. We get to roll the dice, Mitch, right? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I'm ready. It, it doesn't get any better than this. Rolling the dice and hanging out with Mitch Perry and his group, the Mitch Perry group. Go check it out. Go to the Mitch Perry website. Go to all his social media. He's uh, connected there on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Go share with everybody, the video and the song Believe, and buy it, don't steal it, buy it, buy it, buy it. I can't say that enough. Again, thank you, Mitch. We are WBXO, where classic rock redefined in conjunction with Pat Soundbites Unplugged.